We would like to say a special thank you to the women of First Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, for sponsoring this week's episode. And it's this moment of emotional, well, triumph, triumphal entry, which is one of the reasons I really like this text, because it is in the blink of an eye that this turns on Jesus and that the crowd turns, his disciples, the very people throwing the cloaks, like, yay, blessed is the king, as we're going to get here in the next verse. And every one of these people in the crowd and every one of those disciples betrays him in a matter of days. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. It's Palm Sunday, and we're discussing Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You know the story. Jesus is arriving at Jerusalem, where he knows he will die. He tells his disciples to get him an untamed colt, and his followers welcome him as a king by throwing their cloaks on the road and shouting Hosanna. Sarah says this text is often glossed over because, rightfully so, we focus on Jesus' looming crucifixion. She makes the case for why we should preach a strong sermon with this overlooked passage, because it's filled with incredible details. Adam Curie and I ask Sarah Stenson in this week's conversation, do you preach this triumphal entry text or the full passion text on Palm Sunday? Why did they throw their cloaks on the road? And what's the significance of the cult? Let's get to this week's conversation. But first, here's Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, If these were silent, the stones would shout out. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. 
Thanks for having me. So it's uh, Palm Sunday, Sarah, and we were kind of talking a little bit before our text that there's questions. Uh, what do you preach on Palm Sunday? Do you pre- preach uh, this text, this Luke 19 text, or is this the occasion to preach uh, the whole the whole passion? The whole thing. Yeah, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, do you want to just say a couple words about that and yeah. why we're right. talking about the passion today? Right. It, right. And while we'll be, we in this podcast will talk about the actual traditional Palm Sunday text, but there's definitely or, yeah. a split that's that has happened in the Christian. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just sitting here. You're all, they're all kind of, so for the listener, they're all kind of rolling their eyes. Like, oh yeah, right. Um, there's a split in, in among Christians and, and including Lutherans now on, okay, what do we, what text do we read on Palm Sunday? What do we preach on, mm-hmm. on Palm Sunday? And, the traditional Palm Sunday text is what we're we're going to talk about here, Luke 19, 28 to, is it 40? 40. 40. Um, the triumphal entry. And that's that's the traditional Palm Sunday text. However, it's not uh, that unusual anymore for congregations and pastors to keep going and read all the way through the, you know, the, what, the Last Supper, the crucifixion, all the way through the Passion narrative. And normally those texts are preached through Holy Week, which, mm-hmm. which is what would be we're talking about after Palm Sunday, that yep. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leading up to Easter. The idea is, or the theory is, well, it's just if we have people in the pews on Palm Sunday, we don't know if they're going to come back for the Holy Week services. So let's go ahead and get that passion narrative in their ear now with the assumption that or the thought that they'll next be seeing us or sitting in our pews on Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. So fair enough. I, however, being something of a, you know, traditionalist. The people will come back. I do. I, I, I have a huge affinity for those Holy week Mm -hmm. services. They're amazing. They really Mm -hmm. are. They're incredibly powerful and I think comforting. Um, But I also, Part of my thinking now in wanting to really focus on this Luke 19, 28 to 40 text for this podcast is I think it's really easy to just kind of mentally jump over the Palm Sunday um, text and sermon for that matter, because we all know what's coming. And that is yeah. the the passion and the crucifixion and the resurrection. So I think there's kind of a tendency to just kind of want to rush right past mm-hmm. Palm Sunday instead of marking it with a really powerful sermon, which is what we have here in this text. So that, that's why I wanted to just stop here, do the triumphal entry, and and talk about only that part of this story in today's podcast. Okay. Okay. So uh, the first verse, went, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Uh, and the question is, uh, who is uh, saying these things? Who's going to Jerusalem? Uh, right. When why he said he? what things. <laughs> what did he say? He, uh, lots of pronouns there. <laughs> so it was Jesus. And so Jesus and the disciples had been heading toward Jerusalem just before this text picks up. And so Jesus was healing people, foretelling his death, you know, little minor things, telling parables. And now Jesus and the disciples are about to finally enter Jerusalem itself. So that's what had been happening just prior to to where this text picks up today. So he gets close to to the Mount 
called Olivet, he sent Jesus, sent two of the disciples, saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. So this is one of those little things that seems like a kind of a, well, that's, you know, kind of an interesting little narrative tidbit, but so what? It's actually significant. So it, the this wild, untamed cult, the fact that Jesus is specifically saying, I want a cult that no one has ever sat on, in other words, it has not yet been broken. It's wild. This is Jesus demonstrating again his power over nature in riding that that untamed colt. Mm-hmm. So the other kind of, I think, cool part of this, in those times, animals that had not yet been ridden or used were, were typically or especially used for holy, H-O-L-Y, now holy purposes. We see it in Numbers 19.2, 1 Samuel 6.7. Those are just two examples of the explicit instruction to use an animal that had not yet been yoked for a specific holy or ritual purpose. So Jesus, even in this little go find a cult, which no one has ever yet sat, even that Jesus is now identifying himself as being divine and holy. Second part of this is when Jesus says this, he is now fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy from 9.9. And that is, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So once again, we've got Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament prophets saying, he's coming, he's coming. Here we have now Jesus saying, ah, here I am. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, and I, I say this all the time on this podcast, but I'm just always amazed at the hidden meaning like underneath what is actually in this line mm-hmm. where where on entering you will find a cult tide on you which no one has ever more. sat yeah i mean that's pretty boring it boring. sounds kind of boring i not know noteworthy but not only can jesus predict the future because he's god not only can jesus tame nature because he's god <laughs> but he, he's also using this very specific thing because it is for a holy purpose yes and fulfilling Old Testament prophets. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's amazing. It is. You know, Luther has this expression, Scripture interprets itself. This is part of what Luther is getting at there. All of Scripture is interpreting itself. It's all saying the same thing, but it's also interpreting itself. And so this is one of those moments where, um, which is why we do the podcast, actually, and why we teach our students, why we make our students read the whole Bible, because it's all working together for the same thing, to deliver Christ. And so, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that you uh, kind of find that powerful too, Mason, because I do too. I think it's incredible. And a cult that no one has ever sat on, like, yawn, but it's... Mm-hmm profoundly significant here. And I mean, you find people who say that all the time. You're like, ah, I, I have my faith despite yep. all the discrepancies of the Bible, yep. or they think that this verse cancels out that verse because yep. they're saying conflicting things. And I mean, after doing this podcast for dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes, we've found that that's not the case at all. Like it is one through line yeah. that's pointing to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. 
He is the red thread all the way through Old and New Testament. Yep. So then continuing on, and we're now going, fast forwarding a little, um, those that were sent appear, they find the colt exactly how Jesus told them it would be. Um, as they're untying it, the owner said, why are you untying the colt? And they said exactly what Jesus told them to say. Mm-hmm. The Lord has need of it. It doesn't say anything further. It doesn't say any conversation. It just says mm-hmm. they brought it to Jesus. Right. And it says, throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. Mm-hmm. And then it says, and as they ro- he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some t- What's the significance there with cloaks on the colt as well as on the road? Like that, it's... It's a dirt road. D- is it? It's a, a dirt road. Dirt road? I thought you said, is it a road? It's definitely a <laughs> road. It's a, certainly a dirty road, no, no matter what. I mean, even our asphalt paved roads, they're mm-hmm. dirty roads. So it certainly is a sign of respect um, with the throwing the cloaks on the colt for Jesus to sit on and then spreading their cloaks on the road. Same idea, respect. But it's also um, significant because it, it's, it's showing or indicating that they have had absolutely no fear of Jesus, only love and recognition, respect, honor, that Jesus is not there to hurt them. So, which is maybe how we would think of it if they were viewing Jesus as a military conqueror. Sure, yeah. Someone, you know, like a... Um, Putin, someone who could, who literally a military well, that's, I mean, it's, it's how the It's how the world works, works. in that way. Uh, yeah. Xi uh, Jinping famously says, uh, power begins at the end of a, of a, of a, of a musket. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. And, and this is not how the apostles, the crowd even is recognizing Jesus in that very moment. They're actually, it's the opposite, not afraid of him, but actually praising him and honoring him with the cloaks on the road and on that, that donkey. And, and why would they be af- afraid of him? I mean, he, everything he says is true. Everything he says happens. He literally just predicted the future. And uh, at this point, we're in, in uh, you know, Luke chapter 19. So we're well on mm-hmm. our way through this, this book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, you know, the disciples have been with him for quite some time. And so they've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Right. And so this is just kind of an old hat to them. They're like, ah, Jesus told us that his cult's going to be over here. And all of a sudden we go, go into this town and there it is. Like that's, that's oh, not noteworthy for it. Like it doesn't yeah. say that any of them are surprised by it. No, right. By but now just, there, it is old hat. Like, okay. Oh, look, oh, another miracle. there it is. <laughs> exactly. But Jesus can predict the future because he already knows the future. That's right. Is a pretty big yeah, miracle. It's, it's right. not so much a prediction. It's, it's he's, uh, he knows the future. He's Lord of the future. Uh, he's the God of the future. He, so, is, the he future. is the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not like he, it's still in, uh, mm-hmm. how do you say it? A possibility, as right? It, it, exactly. He just knows. It, it just, is. It's not a possibility. It just yeah. is. Inevitability. It's just. Yeah. It's right. Just is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys are so profound. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just learning. <laughs> so as he was drawing near, already on the the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. 
for all the mighty works they had seen. So there's uh, elements of, of acclaim, elements of praise we're hearing. Status. Status. Like he's honestly being seen as a celebrity a, king, a little a bit. Messiah. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. the status specifically, this is, this is what we're going to get in the next verse, 38. But yeah. in this moment now, they are recognizing Jesus for who he truly is. Because as you were saying, they had been firsthand witnesses to all sorts of healings and um, miracles and forgiving sin all over the place. So in this moment, that's exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid of him. They recognize him as their kind and loving savior, perhaps. But we also know how quickly all of this turns on Jesus. So we have this moment of triumphal entry. And if, if you're in a more traditional congregation, you might have the palm fronds, you're, you're waving the palm fronds. And it's this moment of emotional, well, triumph, mm -hmm. triumphal entry, which is one of the reasons I really like this text because it is in the blink of an eye that this turns on Jesus and that the crowd turns, his disciples, the very people throwing the cloaks, like, yay, blessed is the king, as we're going to get here in the next verse. And every one of these people in the crowd and every one of those disciples betrays him mm -hmm. in a matter of days. Mm -hmm. That's what's so crazy to me. Next week is, is Easter. Mm -hmm. So in order to have Easter, we have to have Good Friday. Right. And like, he is more alone than he's will ever be. Right. And Jesus knows, as we were saying before, he knows exactly mm -hmm. what is about to happen and why he's there. And that's exactly what he came to do is take on that sin of betrayal, including our sin of betrayal, by the way. This is not somehow unique or exclusive to the people then. But yet he still goes. He hears... And you made note of this, Sarah, mm -hmm. that in Luke chapter two, it's, it's a direct echo of the angels at Jesus' birth. Right. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the disciples say here, blesses the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Yeah. Everybody is praising him. Exactly. And yet Jesus knows what's going to happen. And exactly. he still goes. Exactly. Exactly. And so part of what's happening in that verse... 38, in addition to that direct echo of the angels at Jesus' birth from Luke 2, which I love, I mean, because it's mm -hmm. bookending his life now, as and now he's literally about to turn the corner to his death. And part of what's happening, though, is back to this idea of this is not a military victor. This is not what we're seeing. Um, even the fact that Jesus is riding that little donkey, the colt, a beast of burden is how donkeys are mm -hmm. referred to frequently, mm -hmm. not some big, strong, military, mighty stallion, warrior kind of a, a steed or horse. Mm -hmm. It's this... Like a Clydesdale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, big old workhorse, baby. Exactly. I don't know if that's a military horse. I don't think so. I think of it pretty much as beer, okay. but maybe. <laughs> They're big for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I that's not it. the kind of horse. I mean, it's not this giant military, mm -hmm. like snorting fire kind of a, a stallion. It's a 
small little donkey that had never been ridden. It's so baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> so again, this is all kind of um, working toward or adding to the, they didn't see, these people did not see Jesus as a military conqueror. There's something very different going on here. However, when we get to that glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, this is the uh, 2.14, or in this case, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Again, we know how quickly these very same people in this crowd who are shouting this, all these moments of Hosanna and praise, those very same people end up shouting, crucify him. Mm -hmm. So it's really tempting for us now to kind of wag our fingers at those bad people who, um, and think somehow they were doing something that we would not do yeah, and, or don't do, but we do exactly that thing. Every time we confess our faith in Christ and then we turn around and sin, that's us shouting, Hosanna, betray him. It's it's exactly us. We are absolutely no better and no worse than everyone in that crowd and Jesus' disciples, by the way. So we're the same people shouting, crucify him. How dare he forgive sin? Because he's naming me a sinner when he actually gives me his forgiveness. Crucify him. So uh, the last two verses are uh, seem almost... I, at least to me, they kind of seem out of place or they just, mm -hmm. they're just like all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Mm -hmm. Why, uh, why are they saying, or what, what are the Pharisees saying here? Right. That, that word teacher is didaskali in the Greek. And it is actually a derogatory term, a negative term used by the Pharisees multiple times in Luke's gospel. So this is not um, an accident or an incidental word that they're using when they call Jesus teacher. It is a very intentional slight, a refusal to recognize Jesus as Lord. And so this actually mm. is another really good preaching moment, I think, because we see here in these differing reactions or confessions, faith and unbelief or no faith mm -hmm. because of course it is not reasonable or expected that the messiah the messiah would enter jerusalem on a little donkey not a big animal worthy of a king or a military conqueror and so it if it were reasonable it would not be a matter of faith this is not reasonable so what we're seeing here is actually faith and unfaith in these two different reactions. Um, Luther actually preached a sermon on the parallel text here in coming out of Matthew. And he said on this point about faith is not reasonable and, and that if it were reasonable, it wouldn't be faith because then it would just logically make sense. Like, sure, I'm persuaded. So Luther said, he who believes in Christ must find riches in poverty, honor in dishonor, joy in sorrow, life in death, and hold fast to them in that faith which clings to the word and expects such things. So what Luther is getting at here is 
Faith is not reasonable. It comes through hearing. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make sense logically. And we cannot make ourselves have faith. We cannot make ourselves find joy in sorrow, etc., as Luther is saying, which is what, that's what he's getting at in that quote. You can't make yourself um, find riches in poverty, joy in sorrow, life in death. It is, however, the function or the result of having faith in Christ. You will find yourself finding honor and dishonor, joy and sorrow, life and death. And you cling to that word of life. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you for Sarah Stenson for teaching us that faith is not reasonable. It doesn't make sense to find joy in sorrow or life in death, as Luther said. But that's why faith isn't reasonable. We can't make ourselves have faith. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us faith in the promise of Jesus Christ that he died to forgive us of our sins and to have life everlasting, a triumphal entry indeed. If you've ever found yourself wondering about a certain term or concept we discuss on Scripture First, we have dozens and dozens of free resources on our website to help you learn about Lutheranism and the freeing gospel of Jesus Christ, saving us from our sins. We have videos and study guides from everything from the distinction between the law and the gospel to the meaning of baptism to breaking down Luther's key teachings, such as the bound will and the freedom of a Christian. Go to lutherhouseofstudy.org to learn more. Luther House of Study's mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's S-S-T-E-N-S-O-N at A-U-G-I-E dot E-D-U. You can find our email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, faith is not reasonable. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.